Our first scripture will be John 14, and we're going to start in verse 15. So let me just, um, so we don't have to read quite so many verses, let me set the context for you. Um, the context is Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure because he knows he's going to be crucified soon, and he knows that they don't know it and that they don't get it and they don't understand it. He's kind of trying to tell them, and they're confused, and he knows that. So he's trying to prepare them for what's coming. So now let's read with that context in mind, starting in verse 15. So Jesus says, If you really love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter. And in parentheses in my amplified version, that word comforter is is also said, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby, that he may remain with you forever. He is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, but you can receive him because you know he's in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come back to you. In just a little while now, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You will also live also. All right, so let's stop right there for a minute. So Jesus is physically leaving the earth, but spiritually he's leaving them with the Holy Spirit inside. Now let's pick up in the same chapter, verse 25. And Jesus goes on to say, I have told you these things while I am still with you, but the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things, and he will cause you to recall everything that I have told you. So peace I leave with you, my own peace I give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. So don't let your hearts be troubled, and don't be afraid. Let me just stop there real quick. Let's go back to verse 26. And read that again. This would be a great verse to memorize so that we don't ever allow ourselves to doubt about the Holy Spirit again. Verse 26, he says, But the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things, and he will cause you to recall everything that I have told you. All right, so let's stop there. So Jesus has been the disciples, rabbi and teacher this whole time, and now he was switching it up a little bit, and they were terrified and confused and worried. Um, but he reminded that the Holy Spirit would remember all that Jesus told them. They were not going to remember. This is one of the best things the Holy Spirit does, is reminds us of truths that we already know, especially when we're in hard times and we get anxious and worried. The Holy Spirit can say, now hang on a minute, you know that verse. This is one of your favorite verses, and it says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. He'll remind you of the verses you know to calm you down. He'll remind you of the things he has taught you to give you peace. That's one of the best things that the Holy Spirit does for us. The other part that I love, it says, he will re represent all that I am. He will represent all that I am and act on my behalf. That's pretty big. That means the Holy Spirit, and we talked about this last week, the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one. They are three persons, but one. They know exactly the same thing, they agree on everything, and they teach on the same things as well. So the Holy Spirit is clearly able to act on Jesus' behalf and represent him, because he is Christ in us, the Holy Spirit. 
Okay, now let's flip the page and move to John 15. And we're going to start in verse 26. So Jesus says here, But when the Comforter comes, whom the, I will send to you from the Father, he is the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, and he will testify regarding me. But you will also testify and be my witnesses, because you've been with me from the beginning. So here we learn four things from this, this passage. We learn that Jesus will send the Holy Spirit from the Father. We learn that he is the Spirit of truth. We learn that he will testify or witness about Jesus. And he's spoken of as a person. Notice all the time he said he. He, he, he. He's a person. And he's a person because he's personal to each one of us as he speaks to us. Um, he's, a, he's not a force. Some people call it an it or the Holy Spirit. I like to call him Holy Spirit. That makes me think of that's his name. His name is Holy Spirit. Just like Jesus' name is Jesus. So Holy Spirit is a person who comes to live inside of us. And let me give you just a few things that the Holy Spirit does that I found in the Bible this week just quickly, and I bet I could find a hundred more. But just let me read a few of these to you that he does, that he's responsible for. He anoints missionaries. He leads and directs ministry. He speaks through prophetic words through people. He corrects. He comforts. He helps us in our weaknesses. He teaches us. He guides us. He sanctifies us. He testifies for us. He glorifies Christ. He empowers and equips us. He dwells with his saints, and he can be grieved and resisted. Now, these are our functions that we attribute to a person, not a force. A person does these things. Amen? So the Holy Spirit is quite deep. There's a lot of things he's responsible for and that he does through ministry by living through us. Okay, now let's turn to John 16, one page over. Hey, Marta, oh, yes. Can you the front of it once again? Yeah, happy to. And like I said, this was not exhaustive by any chance. Um, he anoints missionaries. He leads and directs ministry. He speaks through the prophetic words. He corrects. He comforts, he helps us in our weaknesses, he teaches us and guides us and directs our steps, he sanctifies us and makes us holy, he testifies and glorifies Christ, he empowers and equips us, he dwells with all of his saints, so they are never orphans. Remember Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans, that's because we're not alone, we are not orphaned. We have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ in us. And the last one is, and we'll talk about this in another week or two, he can be grieved and he can be um, resisted, which means the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus, can be told no by us. I don't want you. Just like we can tell Jesus, you know, Jesus desires everybody to be saved and go to heaven, but not everybody will say yes. And so the Holy Spirit can be resisted as well. And we'll talk about that in a further lesson. The danger of resisting him is that you will not hear. You will not hear in the future, which is sad because we so need to hear the truth all the time. So we don't want to resist him because we don't want to get, it's like you get um, insensitized to something and you no longer hear. 
once you resist so many times. Once you resist the truth. Okay, so let's go to John 16, and we're going to start in verse 4 to 7. And I will tell you that these three verses are for the disciples' benefit, and the next few verses were going to be for the world. So let's start in verse 4. But I have told you these things now, so that when they occur, you will remember that I have told you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and yet none of you ask me where I'm going. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. However, I am telling you nothing but the truth when I say it is profitable for you. And in parentheses it says, good, expedient, and advantageous for you that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the comforter cannot come. So if I do go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. Now, the disciples did not know that this was going to be there for, from their benefit. But when we read verses like um, Luke 24 and Acts 1, which is your homework for next week, we will see that the disciples did go back and remember all that Jesus told them. The Holy Spirit did remind them. And then all the things that they were sad and confused about all made sense. So just sometimes we're confused for a little while until he shows truth to us. And so they did remember, and the Holy Spirit did remind them. Um, so I think that's, that's awesome. And the Holy Spirit um, is always at work. He is always, always at work to assist us in everything we do. And that's what we just read. Now, let's read the next three verses. And this is for the world and for believers. So 6, 16, verse, just verse 8. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict and convince the world and bring demonstration to it about sin and about righteousness and about judgment. So the Holy Spirit will convict the world. He will convict a person to the point that that person will recognize their wrongdoing and, and, and show somebody in order to bring them back to repentance so they will choose Jesus. Every time we choose Jesus, it's from the Holy Spirit's leading. No one comes by faith in Christ. So this is, someone may say, well, I've never heard the Holy Spirit before. Well, if you received Christ, you have, because he's the one that told you to receive Christ. And to go ahead and do that. Now, you may not have furthered your relationship with him. because You may not know much else. But the Holy Spirit is the one that brings people to repentance and faith in Christ. That's the start of our relationship with the Holy Spirit. So we have some of the Holy Spirit always. And even the person who chose Jesus just yesterday and knows nothing else. They have a measure of the Holy Spirit already. So the Holy Spirit is at work in the salvation of every person, bringing conviction in, and the presence of God to light. And he does this in several ways, as we're going to see throughout the rest of our study. And one of the first ways he does this is by miracles and signs and wonders through the gifts of the Spirit. What do the gifts of the Spirit do? They show God's power and glory and love. When someone sees a miracle or gets miraculously healed, they are undone and fall on their faces before Jesus, right? Because it is something that they know they didn't have, have any participation in. It happened to them, and it was from the Lord. And so that's one way that the Holy Spirit convicts people of sin. People are, really know 
they need to come to faith in Jesus because they know that God just healed them. So that's one way. And there are several other ways. Let's see what some of those are. Um, he uses prophetic words because when people hear prophetic words, they know that God has read their mail. They know that God has, has, has can see into their hearts and their feelings and their emotions. When somebody gets a word of knowledge, they know that God knows their particular situation and can speak into that. And they feel so seen and so loved and so cared for. So those are one of the gifts of the Spirit. He uses preaching and testimony. The Holy Spirit will use somebody in church listening to a preacher or a teacher. And the Holy Spirit will say, that's for you. And people come to faith that way lots of times. Um, he uses righteous living by godly people to show the world what the Father's heart looks like. That's another way the Holy Spirit uses. He also uses prayer because we pray, people watch us pray, and we pray for the lost and they get saved, and people know they got saved because we prayed. So he'll use those ways. So there's, there's more. This is not an exhaustive list as well. But these are some of the ways that the Holy Spirit uses um, his gifts and his abilities and equipping to get people saved and into the arms of Jesus. Okay, now let's stay in chapter 16 and start in verse 12. I'm going to read 12 through 15. And this is the verse that I love the most. This tells us why we need the Holy Spirit. Verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you are not able to bear them or to take them upon you or to grasp them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own message, and but he will tell whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that has been given to him, and he will announce and declare to you the things that are to come. And he will honor and glorify me, because he will take of what is mine and transmit it to you. Everything that the Father has is mine. And that is what I meant when I said that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, will take things that are mine and reveal it to you. So I love that. The Holy Spirit does not promote himself, ever. His whole job is to glorify Jesus, to bring Jesus clearer to us, and to lead us deeper into Jesus. He doesn't have an agenda of his own whatsoever. It's all about honoring witnessing, testifying, and glorifying the Lord. Always, always, always. And that, friends, is why he's safe, because he's all about Jesus. He's all about Jesus, 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 and glorifying and honoring him. Okay. So our challenge then, here's our challenge. When we don't know much about the Holy Spirit, our challenge is to learn to sense his presence and his leading when he's speaking to us and guiding us and directing us. And I say learn because it's a learned thing. This is not just something the Holy Spirit just dumps on you and all of a sudden you wake up one day knowing everything you need to know. That's not how it works. He, he and you walk together and you learn this together. It's a process. And, and if you've noticed, God is not in a hurry. He, is he? He's not in a hurry. He's the most patient, kind person ever. Sometimes I wish he would hurry, but he doesn't hurry. He is so patient and kind, and he'll go at whatever speed you want to go at. That's his personality. He just wants you to understand the truth he has for you. And so the challenge is for us to learn and to keep pressing in and to not give up. 
Um, so being spiritually aware of the Holy Spirit helps us to learn to walk with him, cooperate with him. And this comes with practice and prayer. Practice, practice, practice. You know, last week I talked about a one-year-old child learns to walk. They fall every five seconds and get up and keep on walking. Then they fall again and get up. And this and that is the same process because we're little children when it comes to learning about the Spirit. And God is okay with that. He's totally okay. So practice and prayer are the two main things. Now, here's another verse, and we want to turn to Luke this time. Luke 11. You don't have to if you want to just listen. Luke 11, and this gives us this gives us the plan on how we're going to do this right here. This totally gives us the plan. Context here is that Jesus is teaching the disciples about prayer because they've asked um, asked Jesus to show them about prayer. So he teaches them all about the Lord's Prayer in the first half of Luke 11. But we're going to pick it up in verse 8. And so here's what Jesus says. Now I'm going to pick it up in verse 9. So I say to you, to his disciples, Ask and keep on asking, and it shall be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you shall find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks and keeps on asking receives, and he who seeks and keeps on seeking finds. And to him who knocks and keeps on knocking, the door will be opened. For what father among you, if his son asks for a loaf of bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Or an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, evil as you are, know how to give, give good gifts to your children, how much more with your heavenly, will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask and continue to ask him? So that's our game plan. Ask. That is our total game plan. Ask, ask, ask. So the question is, do I need more of the Holy Spirit? Do I need more counsel? Do I need more wisdom? Do I need more discernment? Do I need more direction and guidance? And the answer is absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. We need more. The Holy Spirit has all the things that we need, and our game plan is to ask. And so I think it's a good idea. I do this. to Ask every day. Will you fill me today with your Holy Spirit? Would you direct my steps today? Would you guide my thinking? Would you show me when you want to interrupt my day? Would you show me when there are things right in front of me that I'm not seeing because my mind is elsewhere? And so you're just asking for him to just walk through your everyday day because that's really what he's there for, to walk through your everyday day with you. Isn't that awesome? Mm -hmm. We are not ever alone. So I love that verse that Jesus says in, verse, in chapter 14. I will not leave you with orphans. And he hasn't. He has given us this divine heavenly helper to be with us forever and ever. Okay, so there's a few other things. We're kind of done with our scriptures. Um, a few other things that the Lord wanted me to um, bring up. Um, and one of the things was, and I might, I'm going to read a journal entry to you as well also of my own, just to give you, and I'm going to bring some other journal entries from another book that I read to give you some ideas on what journaling sounds like. Um, but he did say, I would like you to tell the ladies how I will usually speak to them. And so he will usually speak to you with the three E's. They are encouragement, which we know, and I don't think I need to define that, encouragement. We know what we feel like when we're encouraged. The second one is edification, 
and I will define that. And the third one is exhortation. I will also define that. So edification, and sometimes it's hard to tell which one is which, and sometimes it's all three at the same time. So don't worry about trying to do that, but I just want you to know how he will speak to you and what his voice will sound like. So edification means literally to build up, to strengthen, to instruct you, and to move you forward in your spiritual growth and understanding. That's edification. Anybody need me to repeat that? Okay, to build to build up edification, to build up, to strengthen, to instruct, and to move you forward in your spiritual growth and understanding. And often this is what he's doing when he gives you a Bible verse. He's reminding you of the instruction you already know, but reminding you to walk in that. Now the third one is exhortation. That's similar, but different. And this is, this is when uh, you get a strong counsel from the Lord. Um, a strong counsel or a strong instruction um, that really boosts your faith and really gives you a shot in the arm of obedience. This is really strong. So exhortation would be actually much of the New Testament. So I think of verses like um, Philippians 4. Do not be anxious for anything, but by everything with prayer and thanksgiving, bring request, make your requests known to God, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Those kinds of things. I think of do not be anxious, do not be afraid. That's an exhortation. That is an ex that's a strong counsel. Um, gosh, a million of them I can think of in the Old Testament where in Isaiah 41 it says, Do not be afraid, do not be fearful, do not be dismayed. I am with you, and I will help you, and I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. That's an exhortation. That gives you a real shot in the arm of faith and ability to be obedient because God is reminding you that he's not gone anywhere. He's right here, and he's with you. So those are the three ways that mainly he will speak to you in your journaling. But, and mostly he will just bring you encouraging things. And so we don't want to start out asking God complicated questions when we're new to journaling. I want you to keep it simple, keep it easy. Um, we don't also want to do um, yes or no questions because I'm not sure that you would be able to move your own thoughts out of the way on something that you really want from the Lord to hear it. That's a 50-50 shot. Whereas, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I think that when we're new to journaling, um, we have to keep it simple and ask him questions about what he sees about us. So that's what we want to learn, because we are learning what his voice sounds like. And as we get more practice, then we can start um, getting more complicated in, our, in, in the things that we ask. A lot of the things that he's talking to me about right now are you guys on what to teach. So like I have a whole blueprint of what I'm talking about every eight weeks that he's given me. Um, and so that's super cool to be led by the Holy Spirit, because I don't always know the best way to do things. And I certainly don't want to do something my way, but he's got a better way. And he always does. So let's see how far I veered off my notes. Um, oh, yeah. I think I'll read you a journal entry here. Um, 10-11. I've journaled, I think, every week, every day this week. Oh, yes. This is from October 11th. Um, probably at 5.30 in the morning. 
So he says in a week or so, because I asked him what you want, what more do you want me to teach? And he said in a week or so, which is about now, I want you to tell, talk about blocks to hearing. What are some of the blocks to hearing my voice? Um, and then he gives me a little list. And he also reminds me if I want a bigger list, I'll find that in Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 gives all kinds of things that open the door to the enemy and all kinds of sins that block us to intimacy with the Lord. And some of these same things block us from hearing. And so he, this is what he gave me briefly this morning. Sin will, will, will block you from hearing because it blocks your intimacy with the Lord anyway when we engage in intimate sin or in, intentional sin. So here's what we all sin. We're not perfect. But the minute you do, just keep short accounts with God and say, I repent. I confess and repent of that. I agree with you that that was a sin. I'm so sorry. Cleanse me by the blood of Jesus and I choose to repent. And he's, and he's all good with that. That takes about seven seconds to do that. So keep your account short. Don't wait until you have a list of sins for weeks before you come before the Lord. It's too long and it's too tiring. So keep your account short. Um, walking in, and these other things are kind of sins too, unforgiveness any unforgiveness jesus is so forgiving he wants us to be just like him so we must get rid of any unforgiveness bitterness wrath um resentment jealousy all those things that are all kind of connected we got to get rid of those grieving the spirit which involves the sins too but grieving the spirit we will talk about that in a week or two but that would be we grieve the spirit when he tells us something and we don't obey, we grieve the spirit when we don't honor him as God, and we grieve the spirit when we um, fail to honor Jesus and do what the word says, um, because he's the one that led us to Jesus. Um, what else did he say? Oh, fear, a spirit of fear. Do not allow fear in your life. If you're afraid, tell God about it. Talk to God about it. But don't allow yourself to be absolutely so fearful that you're going to have a panic attack. Don't be afraid. And the last one is, you've heard me talk a lot about, is making agreements with the enemy. Agreeing with the lies of the enemy. When we make agreements with the lie of the enemy, it's very hard to also hear the Holy Spirit of truth because now we got two things going. we got believing a lie, and we're also trying to hear truth, which is very complicated. It makes us complicated. And here's why I know this journal entry was from the Lord. Because the next thing he said to me, I never would have said to myself. He said, I want them to be, and you to be, a gatekeeper to your soul and your spirit. I would never say that. I don't even know what a gatekeeper is, really. I mean, I can deduce from what he says. But I would not use that terminology. And I, I do ask him to speak to me and use words that I wouldn't use so that I know it's him. So be a gatekeeper to your soul and your spirit. You must be aware of what you allow in. So that's what he means. Don't allow things that are not of him in. And this could be, we could talk a whole night about this. Gatekeepers is what you think, what you watch, what you hear, who you spend time with. Gatekeeper watches over your soul and your spirit to make sure that you're walking in the ways God wants you to walk. And he goes on to say this. I want you to be aware of what you allow in so that you can keep walking in step with me. And I will show you what to do as a church, 
and what to do as individuals. I have all the answers for every dilemma you will ever face. And then he gives me Isaiah 26, 3, which is a verse in Isaiah about walking in perfect peace when my eyes are fixed on him. He always gives me that verse. It's just so great. What and verse then is that? Isaiah 26, 3. Okay, it's absolutely, uh, I love it so much. It's so great. Then he says, and wait on me. And he gives me Isaiah 40, 31, which is the verse I memorized years ago. Wait, those who wait upon the Lord shall mount up with wings like eagles. Mm -hmm. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. That's such a great verse. And he said, do not allow yourself to be in a negative frame of mind or to be dismayed or discouraged. This will not be helpful in learning to hear my voice. So that's my journal entry from a week ago that he wanted me to share with you. And so I feel like this gatekeeper thing is a holiness issue. It keeps us, when we guard, we guard the gate to what we allow in our lives, into our souls, our spirits, and our bodies, that's a holiness issue. He wants us to, as much as it depends on us, obviously the Holy Spirit helps us with that too, but we have a part in that, do we not? We do, we do. I think that's it for tonight. Let me see what else I have. Um... Oh, just for your homework. Okay, so your homework next week is to read Luke 24 and Acts 1, just those two chapters, and practice your four keys, which are, for hearing God, quiet yourself down. That's the second one. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Turn to your flowing thoughts that you're thinking and write in your journal. And then anywhere in there, you can ask him the question you want to ask. Um, don't forget to create the atmosphere. The atmosphere will help you hear better. Because if your eyes are focused on him, worshiping and praising him, and not on you and your problems and your concerns, you're going to hear a purer word. And so it's a big deal to create the atmosphere and go into worship so your focus is on him. And the big deal about keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus is when we look at something else while we're praying. So let's say I ask God, what do you want me to do about this situation? And then I look at that situation, and Jesus is over here. I'm going to hear an impure word from my own thoughts because I'm focused on that, and I'm thinking rational, analytical thoughts that would come to my mind because I'm not looking at Jesus. So we want to look at Jesus. Keep refocusing back, refocusing back on him to get his words for you. Because we don't want to hear our own thoughts. We know what those are. We want to hear from him and write. Don't analyze it, just write. Amen? So those are your four, four keys. We'll keep going over that. What was number three again? Um, quiet, fix your eyes on Jesus, and turn to your thoughts that are coming next. Turn to the thoughts as you look at Jesus. Turn to the thoughts that he's speaking to you through your thoughts and write. Right, right, right. I got two journal entries from somebody this week from this class that were awesome. And they were totally undone by what they had heard from the Lord. And they, he said, and they both said, he would never, I would never talk to myself like that. I said, I know. So it was so lovely. And it was something so hopeful and so endearing that they heard. So um, I just challenge you to keep practicing and not give up. Um, Feel free to share those in your group if you want to. If you don't, no big deal. 
One more thing. I have one more thing. What is it? Oh, your question. You have a question. I'm going to try to give you a question. I mean, ask as many questions as you want. Come up with your own list. But here's your question that I'd like you to ask him this week. Is what do you want to say to me about our relationship? What do you want to say to me about our relationship? And I also have a song for you to listen to this week. It's a little jazzier than I normally go with for a quiet time, so you don't have to listen to it then. It's not very reflective, but it, it's a song by John and Melissa Helser called I Am, I Am, what is it called? I Am Your Beloved. And you've got to listen to this song. It talk, it's the heart of the Father, the heart of the Son, and the heart of the Holy Spirit to us. And it will just melt your heart and get you right in the right thing. I Am Your Beloved. Their whole album by John and Melissa Helser, H-E-L-S-E-R, is their last name. I just YouTube them, just YouTube them. It comes up with a whole list of songs. They're amazing, and they're all super worshipful songs. So that's kind of a lot. Questions?